First, let's apologize for starting a little late because it rained heavily here since last night, actually. Sometimes during the night. So we just had to wait a bit for those um, who come with public transportation and all of that. So that's the reason why the teaching, everything was shifted by like 10, 15 minutes. All right. So now we are going to kick off this morning. And we are going to kick off with um, the usual a declaration of the glory of the Lord. This morning we are doing it from the book of the prophet Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 2, from verse 2 to verse 10. If you are there, say amen. Now you are going to read like you are rejoicing with Hannah, okay? And you are filled with the spirit like Hannah was. And I'm going to read verse 1 just to get it in context that all of us are going to declare from verse 2. Do you understand? All right, the Bible says that Hannah prayed and said... My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Verse 2. Holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And with him all actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble get on strength. Those who were full hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to shoal and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Amen. amen. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Yeah, that's the glory of the Lord. Lord, we believe every word we have read this morning. You see, Lord, manifest his glory around us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we have gathered this morning, we have gathered to taste of that glory. We have gathered to receive insight. We have gathered to receive understanding. We have gathered to receive wisdom. Lord, we ask with open hearts this morning, fill our hearts, grant this request in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because we receive them by faith, we declare as follows. Now, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Please take your seats. Once again, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the teaching of the Word of God. This beautiful, rainy, or cool morning. I see all of you wearing sweaters. 
that uh, you don't wear often. You know, go so hot when the water, <laughs> when the head enters, the heat will start. Just watch it. You are still wrapping yourself like my mom right now. Amen. The Lord is good. Know what Jesus said? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, my yoke is what? And my burden is? Let's go by it again. My yoke is? And my burden is? Now, let me just say something clearly about that. It doesn't mean Christianity doesn't have yoke or doesn't have a burden. It does. But to the person bearing it, it's easy. To the person bearing it, it is light. Why is the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's something Pastor Kimberly says during the Bible discussions. Was it prayer or something? He said that some of you are suffering right now, but you don't know. Was it yesterday? Yeah, that you are suffering, but you don't know. Now, so that is in 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, you look back and say, was that me? No. Bishop Oedipo said something like that years ago. He said one day one of his daughters in the Lord came to him and she was crying. So he asked her, what's the matter? That this is not right. This is not right. She went somewhere and they were saying some things about um, the man of God, Bishop David Oedipo. And so that's what she heard. And it was paining her. I can't be talking about my papa like this and that kind of thing. So he came to him, I was complaining, I was crying. So along the line, part of the reason why she was pained, she had now uttered it. I said, I know how much you suffered. The man said, me? Suffered? <laughs> when was that? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he said, oh, these people thought I was suffering. That's what he said. He said, oh, these people thought I was suffering. Oh, I was enjoying myself. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, suffered? When? And that's the truth. When you are bearing the burdens of the Lord, if you're looking like a burden, hmm? no, go check him. Maybe not be in your own carry. If it looks heavy. Now, it's, now listen, let me just, if anything looks heavy, looks burdensome, before it's decided it's not the Lord, go and pray. That's where I'm going. Go and pray. By the time you finish with prayer, if it's the burden of the Lord, grace will have been given to you you will tap your disciples, come, let us go. And that's what Jesus did. When he came out of the garden, grace had been so poured upon him that it was not an issue anymore. He said, we are going to the cross. Why not? Let's go. I see a lot of things that we try to do as Christians. And I say, no, this is not Christianity. There's too much struggle in it. And one of the reasons is because we put a goal, a target in front of us which the Lord did not give to us. I want to remind everybody again. People say, sell long-term goals. Please, I beg you, stop that. It's motivational speakers that say that. The Lord does not believe in long-term goals. And you know what is why he doesn't? You will misinterpret the road to it. You would choose a path he did not ordain. You will circumvent his process that is necessary to get you to that place. For that reason, he doesn't tell you about it. One day I was, I was somewhere, a pastor was preaching, I was in their church. And he said something and I laughed. I said, no sir, you don't understand the Lord yet in that area. Nobody knows everything, so I'm not trying to speak light of him. It's just that nobody understands everything, so I just said that area. He was trying to explain why people should get to know their direction in life early. He said, like, now, look at him now. He did a professional course. Let me not say which one, so you won't try and guess which 
pastor, because that's what your mind will start doing now. What the pastor says, no. So let us assume that he's a, he's a lawyer. He's not a lawyer, don't worry. He's not a lawyer. He's not a lawyer at all. If I say lawyer, now you're thinking of Tundivakari. <laughs> he's not a lawyer at all. So he said that if he had known, he said maybe he would have gone to, I mentioned one famous theological seminary. So we see his time studying law. I shook my head. I said, sir, you don't get it. That's why God won't let you know. Because if he did, you go to a theological seminary, become a theological professor, and not be a minister of life. I'm a preacher today. I've discussed this with my children. Anything you say you want to study in school, if you say, I want to go and study fan rotation, you know, it doesn't bother me. I, I don't ask them, what will you do with it later in life? It doesn't mean anything. I always tell them, the purpose of university or education is just to be educated. Go and learn how to speak. Learn, Nigeria will use English, basically. Go and learn how to speak English. Learn how to interact with people. Learn how to think at a higher level. And that's why I encourage everybody, young men, young women, when you go to school, even if you're not, you don't, you don't have to be in university. Just make sure you're educated. That phone app with you, loaded with things that educate your mind. First day, they say, ah, you should open Instagram. You know, the first day I opened Instagram, I ran away immediately. As I remember, who did I tell? One of our brothers. Is it this story, Reverend? It's looking like it's you. I don't know. But I just said, ah, what am I doing here? Because soon as I say, now, welcome to Instagram. Now, half-naked women, they just threw him. That is, like six of them. That is the most scantily clad human beings you can have in public. I like, this is what they call Instagram. Immediately, exit. Okay, now I remember who I was talking to. No, he, brother and I tried to explain to me that, okay, what happens is that those are their, what they call them now? Influencers. So that because I'm new, they tend to show me the most popular people. I say, eh, so that's what we are doing here, coming to be gazing. Anyhow. I say, I know they do it again. God bless you very much. Stop wasting your time on apps that don't feed you with knowledge, understanding, even if it's just a physical life. Just read about biology, how trees grow. Read astronomy, how many stars there are. My wife used to look at me like, this man, you know book? I said, no, it's nothing like this man, no book. I said, go and check it. Anytime I'm watching TV, check what I'm watching. I said, what I do, check what I'm doing. I said, I'm reading. One day, I said, remember they were having a drive. We were just talking about money. Something led to it. So I talked about fiat money, gold standard money, different kinds of money. Now, my wife is an accountant by training. She has a BS in accounting, you know, has a MBA in the banking and finance. Yes, and then she, she read book. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> she has an MBA, almost finished ICANN, except she married me, and I just scattered the whole plan. She was writing the finals of ICANN when she married me. And this guy is dangerous, so I just ruined that whole thing. So she went to school well. She also has a diploma in a, a diploma in education. Yeah, so she read Buku. My wife said, my husband, I want to ask you something. Listen to you have just said now. I know them, but I had to go to school to study accounting to know them. You, you studied medicine. How come you know them? I say it's a book. They read it. I told one I saved then, my best friend during service, was a, they had a BA in theology. 
And we used to have arguments as if we read the same books. Because it's a book. You don't have to have a BSc or B in the B, B architecture, B engineering, B law, LLB to be educated. I heard of one man. He's not a lawyer, but he's a troublesome lawyer. He didn't go to law school. He did not go to university. But he knows law. He used to, in fact, he turned his own to business. Join a political party. He's not there to do anything. Just to be monitoring everything they are doing. Be checking how they are breaking the electoral laws. So when the one man finally wins primaries, he will write by himself, file one massive case against his victory. And threaten to go and have it filed in court. It's blackmail. Then they will give it to the party people. And their lawyers will look at it and say, oh, we're in trouble. If this thing gets to court, <laughs> so I ask the man, how much? <laughs> so that's an aside, all right? Just to let people know that. Please, be informed. When Solomon talks about fools, that's what he means. It doesn't mean that you are genetically stupid. It just means that you are not aware of your environment. When I read Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. So please, eh, fill your head with understanding. Fill your head with knowledge. And most importantly, of the word of God. Are you getting my point? But I want you to do that trying to tell, say, explain something that I said to my children, anything you want to study, I don't care. It doesn't determine what you'll be in life. The most important thing I'm known for today, which is what I do with most of my, all my life, actually, any other thing is an accessory. Okay? It's teaching the word of God. Remember where I began the story from? So, I, you know, typical of me, I went off just to explain something. The man who said that, the man who said if he had known if you had known. I said, that's the mistake you make. If you had known, you'll have charted a path to that destiny that will not fulfill the plan of God. After all these years, I tell myself that I believe it very strongly. I was trained as a young Christian and to be a preacher within the walls of the University of Benin. That's why I went to university. Okay, Benin City, Nigeria, here. My Bible training was amongst my friends and seniors. We learned a culture of study. And which God helping me, I never lost. Do you understand? We read all the arguments they used in theological seminaries. We read the books. We listened to preachers. The amount of hours of messages I've listened to in this life, I can't even begin to phantom is a culture I learned in that school. And I almost didn't go to that school. I don't want to bore you with stories now of how I ended up getting to the University of Benin. There was a last-minute you know, chance meeting of one of my cousins. But then that was God leading me somewhere. That's how, that, that's how I, I, I ended up meeting my wife later on. It was alumni fellowship in the University of Benin. Mm-hmm. Now, so God had his own plan. Okay? So that's why he doesn't give all these long-term goals. If he did, you will follow it in a manner that he doesn't want. If he, like, if, if he had told um, somebody that, um, you are, okay, if he had told Joseph, you are going to be a head of state in Egypt. You know, the only person that will be senior to you is the king. But you're going to be the prime minister, the most powerful person in the land, apart from the king himself. As a young boy, Joseph will have packed his bag and traveled to Egypt to go and learn a trade. 
to go and establish a business in Egypt. His father will have given him money. If God had revealed to his father, they will have started plotting life in Egypt. But God said, but that's not how I want to take you to Egypt. You are going to go into Egypt in a manner that nobody ever chooses. You will pass through the valley of the shadow of death. You will think you are going to die. Just as you are giving up on death, that's on life, about to die, I will bring you out of the pit. And I will sell you as a slave. Your training will be as a slave, a bonded worker, one without liberties of his own. That's your training. So you are going to walk that way for a long time. Then the last phase of your training, before you are finally released into action, will be in prison. I want you to go and listen to prisoners talk. I want you to hear people's challenges in jail. I want you to have little to eat. I want you to appreciate hunger. I hope you're getting my point. Then when I'm ready for you, I will not take you, like we declared earlier, you know, um, from uh, Hannah. I like the way Hannah said it. He said, he raises the poor from the dust. Verse 8. He leaves the needy from the ash heap. So I will not take you from the dust and take you from the ash heap to make you sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. That's verse 8. First Samuel chapter 2. That's what I will do to you. But if I had told you this is where we are going, no, you'll have gone to uh, go study BA in political science and join the APC of Egypt. Just by the way, if you want to, in quote, make it politically, hmm? forget the big parties. Just choose your principles and just move by them. You know, now, I'm not here to promote anybody. But there are certain Nigerians, you see, like the president-elect. He has never switched parties. Atiku has switched parties so much that, you know, Adam Sushemole had to prophesy that you should know by now that it's not in your destiny to be president. Now, I'm not saying I agree with Adam Sushemole or Atiku should be angry with me. But the, according to Adam Sushemole, he has camped, decamped, recamped, then decamped again. The current president-elect has never switched parties. Never. And he has been in parties that ended up dying. That's what they call him last man standing. He will stand his ground. You, you don't, many people in Labour Party, they are now in, they are senators elect, House of Rep members elect, State House of Assembly elect, all kinds of elect, elect all over the place. Some, I heard one fellow was about to travel abroad when they told him you won the elections. Like, are you serious? In this country? Is that possible? When God raised the Peter Obi and obedient movement and all of that, <laughs> those of you who know me closely enough, you know my opinion about many of the things. I said, but I said something open here. People don't even know what God is doing. They were shouting, shouting. God said, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. The number of people I will displace, yeah. you wouldn't believe it. That they will be distracted. Busy here and there when I'm replacing them. When I'm people, putting people in power. They won't even know. When the Bible says they make them hear a rumor. You know, the day of election, some people even check, where's the papa mama picking? They were just, just thumbprinting. That's how God, you know, you've heard me say this for a long time. When God wants to work, 
So the people thought they were voting for Peter Obi. But God said, you don't understand. See, this is your senator. I'm sending him home. There were people, this happened in Lagos, I think it was Banky W, that he lost the election, eh? and they were apologizing to him, saying, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they were apologizing to him, so sorry, we didn't know when we were voting against you. They were so, you know, they had already voted Labour Party before they realized. Oh, Banky W, was that your constituency? <laughs> they didn't know. No, I saw it online, people were like, oh, we're so sorry. I come back, come back, come back. Come and separate the election so that we'll know who is who. No, God said, I've done my work. So that's why, please, don't, you can't chat. That, you know, I tell you about long-term plans. You may see one or two people that talk as if their long-term, long-term plans worked. Number one, they are one out of a thousand. Number two, the stories are actually usually not accurate. And then when they tell the full story, you will see points in which they gave up. When everything is scattered. Then God just took them, put them back on track. And it looks like they planned it well. No, there's nobody that will succeed like that. That God won't show along the line. This is not you. Please, don't be angry with me. Eh? But just take this on the surface. All right? Let's take our current politics. Should I say this? Oh, don't worry, it's not a bad thing. With all the planning APC did for a long time hmm? to win this election, it was only possible because Peter Bit came out to run. If PDP had just managed, now we're talking under the song. Somebody totaled their votes. That's all the fragments of PDP. Or more. All the plans will have come to an end all of a sudden. Anybody. Let nobody come and tell you as if like he, he planned and it worked the way he planned it. That hardly happens. Hardly. If it does happen, then what is happening is that God along the line showed the human being that this is your plans. They failed. And they say, I know. I'm so sorry. Help me. Then the Lord helped him. And usually it's not even exactly the way he planned it. If anybody makes it look like he knows what he's doing, don't believe them. I like to quote Steve Jobs in that area. Not because it's the word of God, but because when you live long enough, you discover the word of God. He said, nobody can connect the dots looking forward. That they only connect the dots looking backwards. It's when you look back, you see how you got here. Going forward, you don't know where you are going. You have many plans. People say, oh, he invented the iPhone. If you know how many things he did, that did not work. This apple that we're talking about now, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, they kicked him out of Apple. He was removed by the man, a man he employed. I was still in Lagos. So I just got to Lagos shortly after my NYC. I used to watch news a lot those days. I still remember when he was brought back to Apple to come and revive the company. The company was dead. Dead. Many people don't know that part. He started Apple, he and some guys. One other guy, mostly. Along the line, they kicked him out. The board sacked him. Started doing other things with his life. Then Apple has such serious problems. They said, what do we do? Somebody said, bring Steve Jobs back. I still remember when, when he showed off the first iMac they, they designed after he came back. He had to go to Bill Gates and deal with Bill Gates. Look, your, your, 
Microsoft packages have to run on our uh, devices. And it started little by little. Then they released this one, released that one. Now, the point I'm making is that if you think he plotted from the beginning, we'll get here. That's why he said no one can plot anything looking forward. So you only plot it looking backwards. And then one day with all the plotting, with all the money, he took ill and died. At that time, Apple had a $100 billion cash in banks. I'm not talking about share value. I'm talking about money that they could write a check and pull out. It was a $100 billion US dollars. Yet, nothing could be given to save his life. It turned out many of the decisions he even made. As soon as he died, Tim Cook said, oh, well, he changed many things. They, they, they refused to make big screen phones. He, removed to, he refused to make small tabs. All his tabs were 10-inch tabs, 9.7. Make smaller ones. He said, no, that you can't. I, I heard him say it. You can't get a full tab experience on anything less than 9.7. Ah. Meanwhile, Samsung was killing the market with 7-inch tabs, 8-inch tabs. They were looking like, oh, God, I beg now. He said, no. As soon as he died, he said, look, iPhone must have only one button. They said, oh, God, we need more buttons. As soon as he died, Tim Cook put buttons everywhere. Made big, all the iPhones were five point something inch. Made big screen iPhones and made small screen tabs. Because Samsung was going to kick them out of the market. Because Samsung was more responsive to the customer. He decided for the customer. He was a god. You know what he said? That the customer does not know what he needs. Samsung said, we think they do. So that's why I go to the market now. You can get 10 different models of Samsung. That, that just is 10 parameters. I'm going to bring out something here. With everything, one day he took it and he died. You couldn't plan to remain alive. So if anybody wants to tell you you need to plan long, just tell them, no need. All your plans must be short. Any long-term plan must be fun. You know that kind of fun. When I was in university, I drew, I was going to start a church. I drew the Auditorium. I sketched it. What's it going to be like? I have a name for it. One of our sisters still calls me. She still calls me that name till today. Till today. That is something years later. That was the plan I had. I chose the city. I did not even know really that Enugu existed in reality. I knew theoretically there's a place called Enugu. Yeah, I came here once. Really, eighty-nine or so, eighty-nine, ninety. We came here once. I did, and don't think I saw this. We just drove straight to UNEC campus, stayed on campus throughout for the program we came for. I was snuck out once to go and see somebody, my three of us, me, me and all my friends. But I didn't even, Enugu never rang in my head. It's not a place I thought of. It's not a place I could have dreamed that, oh, one day, one day. If I tell you where I was dreaming of, I, I said I was going to go to Joss. I designed the church that we are going to build there. I I sketched it down. You know, idleness is good. You know, when you are jobless, just be having plans and dreams. And God just looked like, well, eh? he didn't say anything. You know, God doesn't have time to be arguing with people. You won't go to just. Why won't I go to just? What do you mean? There was no need to argue. Chibi na go carry you go there. So when the time came, it became clear. In fact, there was a day I started plotting. That's what I'm talking about plotting. I started plotting my way in that direction. And I went to church. I had the tape which I bought by Bishop Odepo. It was in my pocket, so I wanted to buy another tape. They said they didn't have. 
So I just discussed with the guy the tapes um, section. Then one guy walked in. I said, that tape I had, that his own copy was bad, that they should change it for him. And the fellow said, he's sorry. That because it was, very, it was getting complicated for them, there are thousands of people coming, booking tapes. So they stop people from booking tapes. You just buy what you, what you see. So they will just mass produce some tapes. Come there, you buy. So if you're lucky, in quotes, you get the one you want. So sometimes, after they've mass produced that one, if he finishes, the guy couldn't promise when they would do it again. So told the guy, look, you can return the tape, take any other one you want. But I can't promise you I'll redo it for you. So I looked at the tape. Oh, this particular one. I read it into my pocket. Gave the guy mine. I said, the way God works. I just gave the guy mine. The guy was shocked, like, I can have yours. I said, yes, let me have yours. That's not good. So we just swapped. This one is good. I said, yeah, very good. There's no... I was like, why are you giving it out? <laughs> I just said, well, it was, I was not as excited about the message as he was. Do you get my point? And so I just said, okay, since you are, uh, so take, I will change for another one. So I took his bad one. So now I had one to exchange. So the guy at the tape said, okay, look around anyone you like. So I looked, I just saw this message, Rima, the living word of God. I said, okay, let me have that one. The way God works. So the guy who took this one, gave me that one. Thank you very much. And I left. You know, I, I've been telling people, please, stop waiting for God to, hey, 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 Look, listen. He doesn't always do that. Because that day, there was nothing like God spoke to me any of this until I got home. And because it's a long journey for me, from church to my house, usually, of course, and even if it's not long, it's not Lagos. That Lagos, please let me pray for you. If you are going to Lagos, may God bless you there. Don't be walking in Lekki and staying in Yanopaja. All your sins have caught up with you, if you are doing like that. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. <laughs> it's not good. The rated Lagos the second most difficult city in the world to live in. And just for one reason, traffic. Just for one reason, traffic. So you can imagine. One of my friends, just, and I like to just, guy was walking in Ikeja, you know, that whole axis. Big man, when I say big man, very high ranking fellow. There is come they move the headquarters from Ikeja to, to the island, to VI. So he told them that he's not going. It's a big multinational. If I tell you the name of the company, it's a big one, huge. One of these big multinationals. He said he's not going. The day they moved, he resigned. He didn't report to duty one day to go and check what the office looks like. When his headquarters moved this way, the guy, <laughs> he resigned, took a leave and walked away. He said, Banky, at this age in life, I can't be, he said, that traffic thing, I'm not joining it. He said, I've never done it in this Lagos, I'm not joining them. <laughs> That's an aside, okay? So, what I'm telling the gist is that, so after joining three buses to get home, I, was, I wasn't, you know, I was, I was blessed, amen? That the blessing had not yet come down. After joining three buses to get home and then trekking some distance, I got home. Of course, I was tired. I went and had a bath, and I lay down around 11.30 there about to sleep. I said, just to sleep now. I, I do that a lot till now. I just put something into play. That will send me off to sleep. I listen to something until I fall asleep. Then Bishop spoke for like five minutes. Then I sat up so I wouldn't fall asleep. 
And that message was like 45 minutes. By the time he was done, I was hearing God. I was hearing heaven telling me in simple facts, see this, all these your plans are not my plans. All these ones you have planned and plotted, they are your own. If you lie wrong with them, you won't get anywhere. That's the summary of what I heard. So when this prayer started in the tape, I started praying again on my bed there. I was there praying. By the time I, next day, I discarded plans of ages. All the dreams and ideas. So what do I do now? Nothing. You're in Lagos. Sit down. Occupy till I come. And immediately God rearranged events around me. I became more comfortable. I moved into the quarters in Luth where I was working. And then, of course, from there, straight to Enugu. By the time I was getting married, Enugu had never come up. Yet, I waited in December. By September, we're living in Enugu. So, all the... I don't, I mean, I don't believe in long-term plans. I don't believe in it. I believe that each day, God gives you something to do. Be busy with that one. Make your plans based on the assignment at hand. What about long-term ones? Well, you can join those who are having fun to be designing things that they will never build. Having dreams and ideas about companies you are going to start. When the industry that you are going to be a captain in has not yet been invented. You know, there are industries that are coming that don't exist. I mean, all this software, software, app, app, app. When did app start? It was not when um, iPhone launched and then Android launched that this whole idea of apps now became an issue. Now, young young man designed a, a game app those days. And you know how much it was earning from that? They said one silly game app. And it was earning $50,000 a day. One Asian guy, I think Malaysia or something. They said the guy was earning $50,000 daily. One young guy in his 20s from the app. So this app, app business started how many years ago? Now everybody's doing a you know, skit business, comedy. It's not um, YouTube that essentially invented the force. It's because of YouTube. You can now, even the movie industry in Nigeria, one day my wife's one of her cousins, or one of her in-laws, relative anyway. How, how's business? The guy is into movie production. So I give me one of your CDs now. Let me see what you have done. The guy like, he said, ah, sis, don't be like that again. No. So what? He said, we don't make CDs anymore. Ah, my wife was surprised. He said, so how do you guys do it? Ah, it's a small thing. You make the movie, throw it, give it to YouTube. You earn all your money from there. He said, oh, that's a new one. You remember the days when CDs all over town? You, 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 you buy CD too now. Buy CD player. They had this one that could play three CDs. With the chicken, chicken, chicken. They're moving around. <laughs> but now everything is streaming, streaming, streaming. You stream everything. So what I'm saying is that these things keep changing. You, you really can't predict where it's going. People have tried to predict as they leave that. You don't know. Some, you know one I read the other day, some are already projecting, and those in the industry, that car ownership will start going down. That very soon people will not need to own cars anymore. That when, when they do autonomous driving cars, when they do car fleets, all those kind of things, that there will be no point in buying a car. Because anytime you need a car, you press something on, a, on your app, a car will be delivered to you in 5-10 minutes. So why buy and need to maintain the car? 
So they will soon start building houses with no, that is no space for parking. Yeah, and the new high-tech you know, things they plan to build, why do you need to park? Because when you need a car, your car is an app. You just, you call the car, either driverless or driverful, whichever one. <laughs> it just comes, stop beside the road in front of your door, and then you take over the car. When you are done, you drop it right there. Somebody come, comes to pick it up. That why, but that any car, you want it big, you want it, so suddenly, actually it's a better thing, instead of buying, you know, one car, but this one, if you want a truck, it shows, if you want a sports car, it shows anything. Who would have dreamt of this 10 years ago? It's no Uber and Koda came up with those ideas, car sharing and all of that. Now, I'm trying to say, look, the way the world changes, you can't, you can't sit down there and be making long-term plans. The long-term plans are bound to fail. Some industries are investing your whole life into now. They will stop existing in five years' time. They will stop existing in five years' time. Sometimes I look at Yahoo, I feel sorry for Yahoo. You know, Yahoo, I still have a Yahoo mail. Google killed them. Do you know what there was a time Yahoo offered to buy Google? Can you believe that? Yahoo was going to buy Google. Now, Google can buy 500 Yahoos, and it's not yet lunchtime. So, remember when Blackberry was harassing everybody? People sold their destiny for Blackberry. Why? Because of push. Push email and chat. Once WhatsApp was released, BlackBerry died. BlackBerry just died. They, just, they died, died. They just kept, they kept dying. People had their BlackBerry left it at home. After a while, WhatsApp said, We're not even making for BlackBerry again because there are too few people using it. The waste of our time to developing our apps for phones are not going anywhere. So please, eh, leave all these long-term plans. Once COVID arrived, many ministries started. You know, ministries were struggling before. Once COVID hit, people realized, man, there's an online church. Now churches are now, the, the, you know, before, membership, membership. Now it's streaming. How many people stream that service? Oh, we had 1,000 people in attendance, 1 million people stream. There's one particular church, they, they all say, when you hear their streaming number, you say, I go up to that on this earth. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? He came on, what did he say? He said, seven billion people joined. I said. <laughs> I said, excuse me. <laughs> you know, there are things they will tell you. You ask, say, ah, but how can I? I said, how many of us are on this globe? <laughs> so everybody speaking English and believe in Jesus Christ. I said, but bros, take it easy now. You know, there are some things, even if they were true, you would say, no, let nobody hear it, because nobody can believe this kind of thing. I remember one of these movies I watched years ago. Very funny movie. There are these two bad boys, you know, truckers. They were driving the truck. So on one lonely road at night, they saw a young girl, obviously lost, standing in the middle of the road. So they had to stop. You know, lonely road at night. So they looked at each other. And smiled. And they came down and approached the young woman. She said, they didn't know she was an alien, you know, of some sort. Hello, please, can you guys help me? Say, yeah, we can help you, you know. 
They wanted to molest the young woman. So she took the first one and threw him away. It's a super, all those super woman, super girl kind of thing. Then blew on the other one, he fell back like 200 meters. So after knocking the two of them down, she looked around and just ran away into the sky. Now this is what I'm telling you this story. The two guys look at each other and say, can we keep this just between us? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to tell? Now once more again, beat the two big men on the road and flew into the sky. If they say I've been in, I will understand that you believe in witches. But this is, this is America for goodness sake. So there are things that even if it happen, you just say, no, guys, leave it. There's no need to spread it. They say, ah, seven billion people stream, stream waiting. Stream waiting. Okay, angels join, Abby. Okay, okay. Okay, we apologize. Angels joined. The one that I'm making that now, streaming is now what people count. So you see, you don't know what's coming up in the future. So what do you do? You take the day that the Lord has given you, fill it properly. All your plans should be to fulfill this day, to do everything you are supposed to do. Mark it, you know, every moment. Make it count. Then when the Lord comes, he will take you to the place where he prepared. The Lord is good. I just feel like telling people that again. That's what faith is. And can I just say something about the Lord? He's not your servant. You are his servant. That's one thing we need to understand. In fact, let me just start from there. Because I'm continuing. We're talking about... Um, I want to redefine faith again for us to help us get it properly. We are continuing our study on the faith foundations for the Christian life. So I was saying... Please, what I want to go on to do now is to just explain faith again. Because I was meditating, preparing for today's message. It hit me again that no, I think the main problem we have with faith is that we don't really understand what faith is. And sometimes people have heard me say some things again and again, but they still maintain the popular opinion. Please let me just say this. We have this feeling that faith is, I'm sure, do you get my point? But I realize that it cannot be true. That's not true. Faith doesn't mean I'm so sure, I'm so sure. No. Go and check the two people that Jesus marveled at their faith. They were begging. They were explaining. They were cajoling. They were pleading. They didn't have this hour. Jesus, I know you will do it before I go. I know. No. One of them was having an can I beg you to use the word argument? Jesus said that this is the children's bread you're asking me to give you. He said, Lord, I know, but I'm hungry. My daughter is hungry. Of course, sick now, you know. This bread, we can eat from me too now. Jesus said, is it right? You give, take the children's bread and be feeding dogs with it. Ah, the woman said, okay. But okay, can I beg for something? When the children are full, don't you sweep away crumbs? And then you throw that away. And the dogs eat from that one. All I've come to ask for is crumbs. And just say, ah, great is your faith. Was it somebody that was declaring, I believe it, was it? The other one said, you don't really need to come to my house. So. I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. And Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this, not in the whole of Israel. 
What does that tell you? What we call faith, the way we talk about that is I'm confident, I'm confident. It's not what faith is. It is not what faith is. I have found out that this so-called, I'm so sure, I don't have any doubt in my mind, is not what faith is. Faith produces that. Sometimes. Or let me say oftentimes. But that is not faith. I heard somebody speak recently, he said, we knew and we knew we believed God. We had the faith. I said, it's a lie. If you did not get the result, you did not have the faith. Now, please, let me explain. It doesn't mean you are evil. It doesn't mean you are bad. What I want you to understand today is that the faith to receive, the faith to do, all right, is always, 100% of the times, granted by the Spirit of God. It never resides in anybody. Meditating about the there are two kinds of faith, therefore. That faith to do, that faith to, like now, tell the moon to stand still. The sun to stand still. And the moon not move in its course. To tell the waves to cease. To command things to happen. It's always breathed by God at the moment that it is needed. The only faith that resides in you is the one you used to work with God. That's the one you built. So to just sit down and say, look, I, I just read through scriptures. I found out that the things that people, the Bible, go and read Romans chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Now let me say this to you. Clearly, it's, it's there in scripture. If I wonder, I was having a discussion with somebody. I said something. Our brethren were talking. He was surprised that he said, "Oh, was this where you read it from?" I said, "No, it's in Hebrews chapter 11." Because I said by faith that Moses left Egypt, not because he was afraid of the wrath of Pharaoh. Now I now found out later that okay, the brother said it because later I mentioned that I have the book, um, the book of Joshua. Right, which is referred to in the Bible. Now, there are many, all kinds of copies out there, but one of our sisters sent me a copy once, and I said, look, I think this is the real one. So I have the book. I read a bit of it, but I've not read the whole thing. And this portion, I didn't read in that book. But when I told him that I had that book, he said, okay, was that where you found out that Moses had a word from God? I said, no, I read in Hebrews chapter 11. Because apparently in the book of Joshua, it was written that an angel told Moses to, to move. I never read that part. I never read that far. But I found out reading the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith Moses traveled. Now, this is where I'm going. We usually think that Moses said, I'm going to go by faith. No. Every single one there. When the Bible said by faith, it meant that the word of the Lord came to the person. There's no body in that Hebrew chapter, that hall of fame, that didn't hear something. There's nobody. Even Rahab. Go and see what the conversation she had with the, the spies. He, we've heard though, that your God is a uh, beg. Do you get my point? Those people did not act on desire. They used what they had, okay, many times, to get something they desired. But the real faith was because of a communication from heaven. 
the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, somebody has to talk to you. But we think that faith is desire that, okay, I've made up my mind, though. Ah, this year God will do it. Let's begin to confess it. I have found, and that's why we don't get those results we've been thinking about. I have found out that most of those times is nothing but arrogance, is stubbornness, is personal desire consolidated into stubbornness. I've told God, this is what I've told God. And I began by saying that, I just realized he's not your servant. He's the Lord. Faith is to accept that fact. It is. Now bear this in mind. The time to do great things, to stop the lions, the time to walk into the fairy furnace and not be afraid for your life. Now again, let me say this again. People have twisted because we thought that faith meant that I'm so sure I'm getting it. If you can just be stubborn and not change your mind, God will do it. That is not what faith is. Now, because we thought so, we just assume that I've seen the reading of that portion of Daniel. That Shira, Misha, and Abednego did not say God, even though God does not deliver them. They were saying that even king, even if he will not throw us into the fiery furnace, we still will not bow. Now, it's very funny. You understand my point? It's like, like see, maybe I, I, I tell somebody, if you don't live here now, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to call the police. He said, I won't leave. Even if you say you won't call the police again, I still will not leave. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I mean, that is no, I don't know. That is not congruent. The way I understand language, you can't say even if you soften your threat, I still will not leave. You no, know, it's even if you tighten your, you get my point. If you make the threats firmer, I still. That's when language makes sense. And every translation of the Bible I saw, he said the same thing. Those men told the king simply. The Lord our God is able to deliver us. They understood his ability. And even if he does not, we still will not bow. Now we say that no, but if, no, they knew that God delivered. They had to keep saying it. They had to keep saying it. I actually heard a man preach once and I was like, oh God, this is not necessary. He said that Jesus kept on declaring that Lazarus was alive and that he was careful. And that when he prayed at the tomb, you know, he said that, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. Indeed, I know you hear me always. But because of these ones that are listening, I'm saying this, you know. He said, no, that what the man said, well, what Jesus said, was at that time I said Lazarus is dead. He was apologizing to the Father that, sorry, just because of them, so please, my faith is still intact. Yeah, because, you see, we just believe that, you see, if you have to be stubborn to get something from God. It's not true. It is not true. Those men said, if you like, kill us. We will not bow. People of God want to hear, that is real faith. The faith that walks with God. I said there are two kinds of faith that I'm talking about. Faith that we are given to walk with God. But then to walk into the fiery furnace and not be burnt. Sorry, people of God, they saw something. They did. They did. When they were saying that oh God, he will deliver us, they saw something. They did not join their hands. Shadrach, or let's assume they called themselves by their Hebrew name, Mishael, Azariah, Ananiah. Let us ask God to deliver us today. Deliverer, deliverer, deliverer. No. You want to know the truth? 
They told their wives, told their children, if they had, they told their friends, bye-bye. We will die for our God if necessary. We are not negotiating with anybody. An angel appeared to them. Thus says the Lord. You will walk through that fire, you will not be burnt. Ah, let's go. And they were now four walking together. When the king said, last chance, <laughs> it became funny. Now listen, you can't get that kind of faith until you have crossed that first hurdle. If you are the type that says that, God, deliver me, deliver me. The angel is not talking to you. God is not telling you anything until you say, God, if I perish, let me perish. That is real faith. That is the real faith that works with God. Until you get to the point of, if I perish, you know, I've been saying this thing again and again. He is the Lord. You, are, you don't come telling him what to do. You carry yourself, sell yourself to him 100%. Lie down the altar. Say, Lord, cut it here. That is, you will die literally like we say to self. And please let me beg you right now, from now if you are preaching the gospel, don't offer anybody anything more than eternal salvation. Say to them, the soul that sins, it shall die. Let them know, no matter what you have on this earth, when Jesus comes, you melt away. Let them know there is, a, there is heaven to gain and hell to shun. Let them understand that somebody made them and if they don't walk according to his will, one day he will cast them into the lake of fire. Don't entice anybody with prosperity. Don't. I'm not saying God doesn't prosper people. But don't entice anybody with it. We've done that. That's how our churches are full. Yeah, no, like we were saying yesterday. What we call revival right now? Nothing is reviving anything. Revival means those who are dead are now alive. Now we're having dead people leaving the streets and going into the morgue and we'll call the place church. So they revive. They're not revived, nothing. There can't be revival. You can't claim there is revival except the lives of people are changing and the sinners are afraid to join themselves to the saints. Now I see sinners come and tell people, that church, don't worry, watch it. Let us covet. You know what they call covet? You know what they call covet? You don't know covet? You do. Are you sure? For those of us in Australia and our international audience, Corbett is a Nigerian English that will make it into the lexicon in about six years. <laughs> let's have a bet. That's what it means. All right? He said, listen, let's bet. Let's have a bet. In, in 18 months, I'm going to be a pastor in that church. And the guy is not born again. He said, watch it. Within one year, I'll be preaching there. And he's talking to his senior friends. And they're like, how are you going to do it? Just watch. And it came to pass as he promised them. Because he knew what to do. Of course, it's all about money. It's all about saying, yes, sir. My daddy. God bless you, sir. As I'm coming, collect the briefcase. As I'm going, he said, sir, that was a powerful message. Put small envelope into my hand. The next time I want to give, um, Pastor must say the alert. He said, these are the pillars of the church. The man knows. Yeah, they do it. They do it. See, they do it. That's proof to you there's no revival. See, these are churches that are growing in number. There is no revival yet. When there's real revival, those who are coming to church, they are afraid of eternal damnation. They are happy to be saved. They run away from their sins like it's burning them. I hope you're getting my point. 
They don't go, you know, this gospel of hyper grace as priest can't prosper when there's revival. Because now, how you know by their fruit, you know them. What if you find that these people are preaching that? They are trying to tell people, don't relax in your disobedience. It does not matter. Like somebody said, I was not saved by my works. I cannot be condemned by my works. That logic is very illogical. It doesn't make any sense at all. If you extrapolate it to many areas of life, it doesn't work. I was not born by my works. Can't I die by my works? Did my mother and my father negotiate with me before I was born? And I said, show me the picture of your sitting room. How many cars do people have in that family? Which school I go to before I was born? Like one woman told the children, there is no democracy in this house. I never campaigned to be your mother. The woman read the route out to the kids. So I don't want to hear that you were agreed. There is no agreement here. What mommy says, it's final. <laughs> so you see, I was not born by my works. But if I decide I don't want to live anymore, you know I can end it. There are so many ways. And people do it every day. So that logic does not tie. So let's get it there. When there's real revival, that message cannot prosper because people will hate iniquity. And they won't want somebody to be justifying, you know, massaging their bodies, you know, their consciences while they continue in that which is wrong. I'm talking about what real faith is. Please, let's get out of our mind that faith is that I'm so sure, I'm so sure. No, that's not what faith is. So. There are two levels of faith there. The fundamental level we walk by every day is faith to follow. It is faith to follow. It's trust in the one we are following. It is the one in which we don't know what is going to happen, literally, and we really don't care. As long as it happens with him. I hope you're getting my point. That is, who am I following? The Lord Jesus Christ. So we are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't matter why. He's with us. What is real faith? You know, I said last time, please, if you understand the word of God, let's do something. Let's call, stop, let's stop calling Thomas, doubting Thomas. What should we call him? Faithful Thomas. Committed Thomas. Because Thomas was the one that said to everybody else, when Jesus insisted on going to meet Lazarus and raise him from the dead, they said, these people want to kill you. Thomas said, let us go and die with him. That is real faith. That is real faith. That's where is he going? They let us go and die with him. Please don't call Thomas doubting Thomas. Because nobody else there believes more than him. How do I know? Did they not all run away? According to the word of the Lord, that I will be, all of you will be scattered, I will be left alone. Even Peter ran away. Why are we not calling Peter, running Peter, or denying Peter? Why is it Thomas with that one ungodly name? Doubting Thomas. He said, well, he doubted. He was the only one that did not see. The other one saw before they believed too. Why are you making it look like he was the only one that chose not to believe? He just, you can say, okay, Thomas won't leave. You know, he was the only one that went out. And Jesus chose that time deliberately. You know, he could have waited for when he would come. But he chose that time to teach all of us a lesson. That most of you will believe without seeing. That is the order of God. So he told Thomas, wait outside. So he came. He showed himself to everybody. 
They now came and told Thomas. He was here. And he told them, are you guys pranking me? Who was here? He said, the Lord. He was here. We left him on the cross. Then we heard, because they were not there, that they took him to a grave. This woman came to tell us. Then you are telling me he was here? That's what that happened, though. And they were saying, what, what do you mean? Are we lying to you? He said, guys, because all of you, they all saw him. And John said it, that which was from the beginning, which we heard with our ears, we saw with our eyes, then what? Our hands handled. Thomas had not handled anything after resurrection, and you want him to believe? Don't call him doubting Thomas. So when Jesus finally came and said, Thomas, oh, now you have seen, now you believe. Thomas said, did Peter too not see? All of them saw before they believed. But Jesus was laying something for us. That going forward, most people will believe without sin. Are you not aware that Paul saw, that saw of Tarsus, he saw before he believed. But most of us will believe without sin. So Jesus chose Thomas for that lesson. He now said, there is a blessing, a special blessing on those who believe without sin. Now let me say something to you. I started by saying the yoke is easy. The burden is light. If you believe everything you don't see, you are not a faithful person, you are a gullible person. Think about it very well. If you are doing business, you want to believe without sin. Four or nine people will sow. Somebody said that Canada is the scam headquarters of the world. Oh, they are always scamming Canadians. Why? They are used to believing without sin. That they have such a trust system. Scammers like to go there. The Canadians, they will believe you. So you're just going to say, look, we have found that the snow is now, can now be found in Lagos, and then we're packing the Lagos snow and sending it down to Alaska to improve the environmental conditions in Alaska. He said, Canadians will give you their money. <laughs> that, that scammers love Canada. That the Canadians just, just advertise them. They will all believe you. Now, where I'm going is that if you always believe what you don't verify, you don't check, it doesn't mean you are faithful. It means you are gullible. Because the environment, <laughs> Jesus said you have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, what am I trying to say here? So why would somebody believe? Now, please listen to this carefully. Why would somebody believe without sin? And yet you are saying, believing things you do not verify is not a matter of it. It's a matter of gullibility. Now, listen, I've thought about that. And if you have never thought about it, think about it and I'll pose it to you. Otherwise, why didn't you believe in Buddha too? Why didn't you believe the things that Hare Krishna people told you? Listen to me. I have found out. To believe is a gift of God. God has to grant that you will believe. And you are blessed because he has granted that you will believe. Don't think you were wise. That's why you believed. No, it's not your wisdom that caused you to believe. Because if it was your wisdom, the gospel was packaged in such a manner that wise people can never believe. Think about it. The way the gospel is packaged, the Jews can't believe. To them, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it is what? Foolishness. The Reverend says something which 
I think is so instructive. He said, the first time somebody asked him, that when he became a believer, that's during the process. The preacher asked him, now he was a philosopher. That time he was still in active philosophy. Young man. If preacher asked him, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? This is a man who grew up in an Anglican church. He said, tell you the truth about it. He told the man. He said, I can't see what the death of a man 2,000 years today, ago will have to do with the sins I've committed in my lifetime. He said, that man was very wise. He did not argue with me. He told the man flat. He said, tell you the truth about it. I really can't see the connection. Might that almost 2,000 years ago. And you are telling me it has something to do with the sins I've committed in my life. By the way, he said that when they made an altar call, he said, it's just for the way they were behaving. I've never been to a Pentecostal church. He didn't even know that such churches existed. He knew about Catholics. He grew up in the Anglican church. He said he had heard about the Methodists, that there are some group of people causing problems somewhere. He didn't know Pentecostals existed. Out of nothing to do was when he followed a fellow soldier to a church. And he saw them behaving one kind. That the preacher, that the, all the preachers he knew were professional preachers. This man was a, either a truck driver or something, you know. You know the way Pentecostals are? Everybody is a preacher. From all walks of life. So look at these guys are funny. That the man, you know, jump on the desk and all of that. That the man said something that he said this is logical. That the man said that Noah, eh, sorry, the man painted the story about Enoch. How they got the dogs to look for Enoch, pursue the scent. And then apparently Enoch must have gone up because they couldn't find him anywhere. He said, well, that is logical. So the man said, if you want this, put up your hand. He said, for him. He didn't understand what they were even up to. So they were as if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want a part of He said, whatever this is, he did not know really what it was. He said, the next thing he knew that a hand went up. And he looked, it was his own hand. You don't get it. He sat down there. He said, put up your hand if you want to know, like if you want to know the Lord better, if you want more of this. And I was looking at them like, why would anybody put up his hand in the front of all these old ladies? Because he's a, now he's, you know, he's a British aristocrat, you know, that kind of thing. You know, well, he came from a, digni- a dignified family anyway. You know, they are British military officers, you know. It's a class thing. So put up your hand in front of all these old women. No, nobody does that. I was looking at all of them. Then he looked. There was one hand up. He checked. The hand was connected to the shoulder. <laughs> and he, says, he said this solemnly all his life. He said, I mean what I'm saying. It was a miracle. I did not put up my hand. Now, he insisted till he died that he never put up that hand. That he just looked and saw that his hand was up. Ah, you, what are you doing up? <laughs> he said, somebody lifted his hand for him. Now, I'm trying to say something here. Faith is granted. See, faith is granted. God has to breathe into you the spirit of faith. I'm going somewhere. My message today is titled, Make Room for Faith. You have to make room for faith. Faith is granted. There are two realms of faith. There's a faith that God grants that helps you walk with God. Is the reason why you believe, saints of God. Is re- Don't think that... He- See, the gospel was designed to make thinking people confused. Derek Prince was a philosopher. He said his expertise was in definitions. The gospel doesn't make sense to people like him. If you're a Jew, it makes no sense. The picture of the Messiah the Jews understand is military. It's a military picture. It's somebody who is like David and Moses combined. 
That's the picture they have of a Messiah. You don't take a Messiah and beat him. You don't take a Messiah and crucify him. A Messiah does not say to you, love your enemies. A Messiah doesn't say to you, do good to those who persecute you. A Messiah doesn't say that. A Messiah comes and kills and kills and kills enemies and sets the oppressed free. A Messiah comes and conquers kingdoms. But this one showed up and he's saying, I love your enemies. If the Roman soldier says, go with me one mile, go with him too. If they slap you on one cheek, a Messiah cuts the head. This one said, turn the other cheek. So they looked and said, crucify him. They did not know that that is the pathway to redemption. They didn't know that the sacrifices they were offering all these years were a type of the Messiah. And now they are fulfilling what they call the antitype. Now this is the real thing happening. The Jewish man till today, I still heard Ben Shapiro say this a few days ago in the year 2023. He's still saying it. As a Jew, they can't just accept him. That's the gospel. As for the wise, the Greeks, which is, I mean, they, they are like the foundation for our learning till today. A lot of our words are still Greek words. If you hear biology, is Greek for study of life. So Greeks, their culture is with us till today. The Greek culture does not accept the gospel. So let me summarize it. If you believe the gospel, you have a revelation. If you believe the gospel, a spirit was breathed into you. If you truly believe the gospel, God gave you faith to believe. Now please, some people are saying that, so what about those who did not give faith? It is not his fault, it is their fault. I don't have time to explain that now. So it doesn't take me too much time. There is a reason why they cannot receive faith from you. Let me give an example. The Jews. The Jews could not receive faith to believe in Jesus except because they were brought up to understand sin. They were brought up to understand the covenant of God. So all those who broke the covenant of God and whom God gave the opportunity to repent, whose name, the, the name of that ministry is John the Baptist. Those who did not believe in John could not receive the faith to believe in Jesus Christ. I wrote in that book, Walk by Faith. You needed to have believed in John as a Jew to receive the faith of Jesus Christ. And listen to this. To receive the faith for Gentiles, the Holy Spirit will have gone and prompted your heart to tell you you are walking in sin. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Listen, what I'm saying is a matter of fact. Maybe you're a criminal. You're an arm robber. There are days when your crystal meth will have cleared from your eyes. The trauma that you took will have cleared. You wake up early one morning, and the first thing you will hear is that what you are doing is evil. It's God giving you the opportunity. If you will just think about it for a few minutes and accept it, because they mark this one down. Next crusade, give him faith. So the fellow will say that, ah, we, we, just, we just came back from stealing. No, before then, the angel of God had come and shown you that because Paul made it clear to us, some things are inside the heart of every man. I hope I get my point. That is why normal, listen to this, normal is what I said though. Normal women take care of their children. Babies, I'm talking about babies. Normal siblings, they fight in the house, but they don't kill each other. Just watch it. They don't have to go to church. I said normal. You know, I kept on saying normal because some people are thinking of abnormal people. Yes, there are things that are just 
normal. And they are there in every society. And so when you go off course from those normal things, God has the reference to use to point to you that what you are doing is wrong. That what you are doing is not appropriate. And if your conscience will just wake up for just half a second to accept, you have opened the door to receive that faith that the Lord gives. It is not possible for you to believe, like Jesus said, except the Father draws you. I hope you're getting my point here. You believe it's not, there's no, it is not of yourself. It is not of yourself. However, you have a part to play in opening your heart. Do you get my point? To be able to receive faith. Now, let me say this again. I said it earlier. I just want to repeat. So help me connect with something I want to say. Faith, it doesn't mean you are sure. Because I've heard people say it. We be, we, I know we believed. I know. No, that thing has no meaning. You were just convinced of your desire and your strong determination to receive. It doesn't mean you had faith. What exactly is faith? You are asking me. Sometimes I don't even know. How to, it's so difficult for me sometimes to explain it. But listen to this. Faith is an intangible. That is, you can't feel it, humanly speaking. Okay, let me give you an example now. Touch love. Love, love. You can't touch love, can you? Can you have a feeling of love? That's what you don't understand. No, you actually can't. The real love of God. You can't have that feeling. Most of the things we call love is, is emotion. It's not real love. I knew you say yes. It's not real love. You just look at somebody, you just love the person, their emotion. Now, love manifests in emotion. It does that often. But the real thing about agape, you know, there are all kinds of love, all right? If you use the word love, okay, maybe that's why I made a mistake. I should have just qualified it. If you use the Greek, Greek is a beautiful language. It's not like, it's more detailed than English, more precise. English just has one word, love. It covers a lot of things. Greeks would give you like four different words for that. Even sometimes up to five. The common ones are things like uh, agape, filio, you know, eros, and um, there's uh, Philadelphia. There are a lot of them. There are lot, Storge, yes. There are a lot of them, okay? And they define different things, okay? Now, but agape love, which, which one is most powerful? No, no, there's no catch to it. Which one is more, most powerful? Agape love. Some people are not sure, okay? If you did not know before, it's what they call agape love. That's the love of God. That's the love. When the Bible says, for God so loves the world, that word there, love, is agape. Now, that is the one that does not have any feeling. No feeling is attached. It doesn't make you cry. It doesn't make you feel anything. But it's the most powerful. You know the only way you know agape love? Action. The only way agape love is known is action. So agape love person can be bland, you would think. You would think that somebody else is shedding tears. He's not shedding tears. But he says, who beat this man? He says, I'm robbers. All right, take him to the inn. You remember? The Samaritan. Take him to the inn. They took him to the inn, dressed his wound. Okay, I'll be leaving now. What do you need? This is more money to take care of him, please, while I'm gone. I'll be back in two days. If you... If we spend more, I will reimburse you. Is that okay? The fellow says okay. And he goes his way. And he goes and tells his wife. There's one man I saw on the road. These Arab robbers are very, very useless. They just say, well, yeah, yeah, talk, talk. And continues. Now, the point is that he took action. But someone will come there and say, ah, Bele, he, this country, he, now wow. And they keep going. <laughs> Do you get my point? 
When they say bring money, hey, Pele, they leave somebody else to bring the money. But they are the criest of them all. Is that, is that English good? Do you, do you get my point? Now, they are the ones that will cry the most. But bring money, let us take care of this, and they will not take any action. Agape love is a love of action. So the Bible says, for God so loved the world. The world, please, that's where we make the mistake. That word, so, is not an, is it preposition? So, you do, is, so is preposition, right? Yeah, that's not a preposition of intensity, but of manner. That this is how he did it. This was how he did it. So, you read some translations, they'll say, for God first loved the world. This was how he did it. So, what does it show you? God showed his love to the world, some Bible say, by giving his only begotten son. Those of us who want to do the emotional aspect, we say, for God so... Ah, it twists... No, 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 no. It's not intensity like that. It is how he did it. He saw that they were perishing, and he gave his only begotten son so they will not perish but have. I hope you're getting my point. So how do you know agape love? Action. 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 That's why I tell people, you walk in an office, your wife won't pick in, your boss did not come to greet you. It's your birthday, your boss did not come. Your grandfather died, he didn't send you a card. It doesn't mean anything. Those many bosses who do that, they are wicked. Why? Three months they are owing you salaries. But they will come say, oh, your wife won't be king. It's your birthday. They are there. They are dancing. Oga, everybody has his love. You are a boss. Your own love is not come and dance at my birthday party. That's for my friends. Pay my salary. What is up with you? <laughs> Do you get my point? Would you rather, no, think about it. Would you rather work for a company where the boss is very social? You enter his office, be a day. You go drink. Ah, you go, guys go chop so yeah. They will come and explain to you, see guys who are going through difficult times, three months. <laughs> or you walk with a man who does it, you know, he comes to work, <clears throat> just walks into his office. How are you? Hi. <clears throat> but 27th, you don't, at last, don't the shell. I hope you're getting my point. Which one would you work for? A guy, you can grumble all you want, just pay the money. Just <laughs> now, I'm not saying people shouldn't be nice. Please get my point. I'm just trying to prioritize what is important. Do you follow my point? All right? So, love like, is like that too. It's action. It's action. It's not the emotion. The emotion is good though. Like now, one place where you pack all kinds of emotion together is marriage. Husband and wife. You do agape, you do filio, you do stoge, you do ero. It just be anyone you like, do. <laughs> she did the two of you, one flesh. Anything you like, do. But the rest of the world don't understand it. They mix love into all kinds of things. Ordinary attraction, they call it love. So they misinterpret scripture. So the, the people who are disobeying God will not say it is love that's making them disobey God. So if a man wants to marry a man, he says it's love. It cannot be love. The real love, the real love is not possible outside the commandments of God. You can't fit. You can't do it. <laughs> it's not possible. Now, please, that's a small digression on love. In the same way, faith is. Faith is not a feeling. It's not a feeling at all. So you cannot tell me, I know I believed. Most of us, we get hooked on our desires. We say it's faith. It cannot be faith. It cannot be faith. Real faith is based on a relationship. Do you know, you go and read the Bible, eh? You hardly find anybody in the Bible walking by faith, claiming the faith. I don't know whether I get my point. 
Let me give an example now. The woman with the issue of blood, did she know she had faith? She just heard of Jesus. And then something was, so a conviction came out of her that this man must be like this. And so if I can touch the hem of his garment, something will happen. Now, please, let me try and explain this. I don't think she had the kind of assurance we preach as faith. No. What God judged her for was the confidence to put in the effort to touch him. She didn't go there and say, I'm beginning to feel the power right now. I'm about to touch him right now. Oh, oh, oh. you know the way we do it. And we're saying, right now, power, you now grip him. And then nothing happened. Ah. What happened? No. She wasn't thinking that thought. She didn't understand there's a word called faith. She did not understand it. The woman that was pleading for her child did not know she was acting by faith. That's why the Bible says, faith works how? By love. That's why the greatest faith Jesus talked about, each person was interceding for somebody else. They came to Jesus. My daughter, you know, as a parent, if your child is seriously sick or afflicted in any way, you know, you wish you could take it. Like, God, can he go? Let me lie down here sick. I hope you're getting my point. Listen to me. That kind of love, willing to take that kind of action, was what that woman had. She did not know she was operating by faith. She was just making her petitions to somebody she knew had the power because she had done, they had done for other people. And Jesus said, your faith is great. Now I said this earlier. I want to say it again. At that point, when you need, because without that faith, nothing is released. At that point, God gives the faith. That's why you hear Paul write in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about, he talks about yes, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. You know, what kind of, and then got to a point, he said, faith by the Spirit. So there's a gift of faith. Many of us think it's something that is all over scripture. It's all over the Bible. That's what that woman had. That's what he had, she had. God had to breathe it into her. At that moment, well, what we need to do as individuals, listen to what I'm trying to get to, is open our hearts ready for that faith when it comes. This one will go around with a, I'm so sure, I'm so sure. Forget that thing, it's not faith. So, but the Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, faith is your chance of things so far. Expectation is what hope. So, listen, you know, I meditated about it. You know what I found out? What he was talking about is not the hope we are talking about. You know, the Bible is hardly nebulous. Normally, it's quite specific. You just need to look and you know what he's talking about. When he said, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He knew those things. It's not everything you decide to make hope out of. You know, I, will, I just came back. You know, last Saturday I was not around. I was in Benin for my annual pilgrimage. <laughs> my alumni fellowship convention. And Dr. Fabio made him from Sokoto to teach. What was our theme? Come Lord Jesus. And he was teaching on what we are supposed to do, okay, to provoke. Sorry, I'm, I'm opening my device here because I want to quickly make a reference to something that he said. Let me hope I can find it quickly so we do not waste too much time. Yeah. He drew a chart. He spoke for long. Our theme, like I said, is come Lord Jesus. So he was talking about hastening the coming of the Lord. 
and he drew a chart. He reversed the arrows, so he started with, then the end shall come, down to, for he must reign, the Lord comes, my salvation of souls, witnesses, is coming from below. So let me go back to the bottom. He said, tarry ye until, he gave scriptures. Then Holy Spirit comes because you tarried. Then because Holy Spirit came, there's fire, power, and then that made us witnesses. That leads to salvation of souls, massive. Then that activates the coming of the Lord. And then the Lord reigns, and then the end comes. Now, he explained that. Now, after drawing this chart, everybody look at the chart. He said, what are we supposed to do? Now, he explained dominoes. He put some people up there. And this is a domino effect. That you push the first one. You know what they call a domino effect? Cascade. Things just start. The ripple will just continue spreading. So, so what is the church supposed to do? He said, the first instruction was what? Tarry ye until. He took time out to explain to us how the Spirit is released upon those who tarry. And he said the church has lost it extensively because they do not take time out to tarry on the prophets and the apostles. That is when you sit down on the teachings of the apostles and the prophets that you activate the release of the Spirit, that every other thing follows automatically. I want to add my own words. So the Satan's distraction method is to distract us from tiring. We are busy with every other thing apart from the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. He said they have something they do in their church, in their ministry. They don't have a church, but has a ministry just like Kingdom Word. They have something bigger and do a lot of teaching, organized teaching and all of that. That they sit down and read the prophets. And it tells the people, don't try and understand, just read. They will take, like Isaiah, sit down and read from the beginning till the end. He said, what if they don't understand? He said, there's what they call digestion. You have to swallow first before you can digest. So they don't just imbibe. The Holy Spirit will help you digest and you absorb. And he said that is the main assignment of the church right now. Now, I'm going somewhere with all of this talk. What is the aim of all of this? So that the Lord can come. Hey, wait, wait, excuse me. Have you ever seen that Lord? No, I'm sorry. Have you ever seen him? Yet you are walking so he can come. Faith is the substance of that expectation. Having not seen, yet you believed. When the Bible talked about faith being the substance of things hoped for, it wasn't talking about Motokao. He was talking about the household. He was talking about the Lord will return. Why will anybody live the life waiting for somebody I've never met? It's called faith. Faith is a substance. Do you know how long it took Noah to build the ark? Are you aware it had never rained before then? Many people don't know that. They thought Noah was waiting for heavy rain. He had never seen rain of any sort. Rain began to fall regularly on the earth. After the flood of Noah. Before that time, only deal with settle. Noah had never seen rain. Yet, he took something around a hundred years to build an ark to save his family. And like the man of God taught us, he said, was Noah waiting for God or God was waiting for Noah? Think about it. Who was waiting for who? Yes. That God waited for Noah to finish building the ark. And that we are the ones delaying the coming of the Lord. That when Noah finished, God looked good. Now moving. Then when Noah moved in, the Lord came by himself and shot it from outside. Noah couldn't come out. Then the rain started. Then the earth released water that had been trapped beneath it. Why would somebody do that for that length of time? 
It's called faith. It's called what? Faith. That's what the Bible was saying when he said faith is the substance of hope. The hope was not nebulous. What is hope? Something that God promised. That's what I tell him. That by faith, Jacob blessed his sons. He was seeing something that nobody else was seeing. And he was pronouncing blessings upon them one by one. That same faith Moses used to bless the tribes of Israel. I hope you're getting my point. It is not just that I just made up my mind. No. Faith, when they said expectation, the word of the Lord has to come to you first before you can have expectation. You cannot be just doing a buju except God speaks. I don't mean go and look for scripture to support. That is why I make the study of scripture a habit. It's as you do that, you will discover what he said. And then you hinge your faith on that word. Now, when the time comes for something specific, something odd, because one of the ways we practice faith and created confusion is that we just get up and declare anything we like. Before you will have faith to make something that is natural go against the natural order, God has to breathe in that spirit of faith at that moment. Please, I, I, I'm, I'm sick trying to get what I'm trying to say out clearly. Faith is not a feeling. That's what I'm going to emphasize. It's something that it's in there. When it's there, it can produce. Now, that's what I'm saying. It can produce confidence. But confidence is not necessarily faith. Foolish people are very confident people. Yeah. Have you ever heard people argue politics? You'll be looking at them like this. They'll be telling you, telling you, and you know, all of this is out of what? Ignorance. They don't know what's going on. And they're very confident. And they will stake their money on it. They are very, in fact, I saw some you know, the, the teachings, videos, all right, on how the most confident people are the most ignorant ones. They are very sure of themselves, yet they don't know what they are doing. The point I'm making is this, see, so the fact that you feel confident is not what makes you a, it just, it's, it's not what faith is, that the fact that you feel confident. What faith really is, is that God, now listen to what I'm going to say again, God pours something into you. He literally pours it. And when that thing is there, the Lord gives a word. And to you, it's just final. It's not stubbornness. It's like you have seen something nobody else has seen. I hope you're getting my point. That is what faith is. For you to operate really by faith, God knows. And he will give you the word necessary. He doesn't want you to walk around by your imagination, being so sure that you believe something that really is not true. That is why (laughs) I have come to understand there is no alternative to praying for believers. Please, let me explain something to you. If you feel, in quotes, doubtful, not a problem. Get on your knees and talk to, about, to the Lord about the doubt. The only faith you need is that you trust in God. Not as you are sure that what you want will happen. No. The only faith you need is that you are fully committed to the Lord. And that when you have a desire, you come to and say, Lord, see, like one woman said, Lord, help me. You know if you were the one in need, and I had the power, I will help you. <laughs> it sounds funny, but that is real faith. Her child was sick, and she got the healing. And Lord said, Lord, help me. You know if we reverse this role, you get this kind of power. If now me get him, and you had this kind of need, ah, what would I be waiting for? That is what I call faith. 
We think faith is a Lord. I know you're going to. Mm-mm-mm-mm. The woman bared her heart, you know, before the Lord. Lord, look at it. Where else will I go? I hope you're getting my point. Now listen to this. That capacity to receive what God pours into your heart as faith must be developed. How is it developed? This is interesting. Actually, this is what I wanted to teach. I hope you are following me. I hope I'm not being difficult. Though. Tell the truth. Though. <laughs> I want us to read something. We are going to read two portions, both of which we all know very well, so nothing new in any one of them. One is from Genesis chapter 12, and then the other one is from Matthew chapter 10. Let's start with the one from Genesis chapter 12. Simply because I led you there first, actually. He said, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from, re- from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you I will curse. And you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And first error. What's first error? And Lord went with him. Let's stop there. Now just bear that in mind. That's Genesis chapter 12. Quickly, the book of Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. From verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher. He said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Let me add my own words, etc. In verse 20, and he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Let's just end that portion of 22. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Now, if I say this, you're surprised. Now I have gotten into my message. I haven't read these two portions. Everything I've said so now, up to now. Now, founding, you know, foundation. I've been digging since. I've been pouring concrete. Now, we've laid the foundation. Let me now explain. We have two portions here. God wanted to bless Abraham. Now, what's the blessing of Abraham? Let's get it clear. Please, let's be spiritual people. Let's not be carnal people. The blessing of Abraham was not houses. It was not a material thing. It was not sheep. It was not um, those things that we will value. The blessing of Abraham was so that he can be a blessing. What was important to those men of those days was to, you know, like, the earth was kind of young, you know, this, the population. So what was important was that people had descendants, and the descendants became nations. So that's what God picked on in the life of Abraham. I am going to make you a nation. I hope you're getting my point. Most of us now, what we want is good jobs, two houses, you know, one in the city, one in the village, and then we are fine. We can educate our children. Now, those days, they didn't think like that. What the men thought of was to be what? Nations. And you see, when the Bible talks, it said the least amongst them would be a clan. That's how the Bible used to talk. So when men were great, they were nations. 
they were not content with just, I have a house here, I have a house there, and then I can educate my children. It, now, for your information, it was a spirit that God poured into people. So men were ready to sacrifice to become nations. So when God was speaking to Abraham, he was calling a man he was going to make into a great nation. And it was enticing for people like them. I hope you're getting my point. Now, the blessing of Abraham, like I said, is first of all spiritual. So God was calling Abraham out. And the, the real thing he wanted, now listen to what I want to say. The real thing that God wanted to do in the life of Abraham was to build faith in Abraham enough for Abraham to be able to offer Isaac. The whole thing was, God was going to one point. And how do I know? The moment Abraham came to offer Isaac, go and read your Bible from beginning to the end. I'm not aware there's any other place where God showed that kind of excitement. By myself, I have sworn in blessing I will bless you. You know, please let me try and do what they call anthropopathism. Try and bring God into human emotions. You understand? I can imagine him vibrating. You know, like, you see my finger is shaking. By myself, I have sworn. Oh, in bless. Ah. Do, do you follow my point? He was excited at two things. One, that Abraham did it. Two, that he did it. He was one that trained Abraham specially. I hope you're getting my point. Everything about Abraham. The wife not born. He go marry Hegel. He go Sodom and Gomorrah go pray. Which of the things did he do? He went out to fight. He gave a title to Melchizedek. Everything, God was just walking towards one thing, not two things. One thing. That Abraham will offer up Isaac. And when he got to that point, God was satisfied that this thing worked. When he called Abraham, he was calling a man who will offer up Isaac. When he called Sarah, because he called the two of them together. The Bible just used to talk about Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. But read, um, Isaiah said that, Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah. You know, two of them he called. He chose them specially. Because the woman herself had to receive power to produce Isaac. Now, what I'm trying to say in all of these things is that what was most important to God was that Abraham's faith was built till he could release Isaac. If Abraham had had faith to acquire all the goods of this earth, if Abraham... Because each thing is done by faith. If Abraham had had faith to be protected and live into old age, if Abraham had had faith, of course, together with Sarah, to give birth to that child, if Abraham had had faith to let Ishmael go, if Abraham had had faith to give back the goods of the king of Sodom to him, if Abraham had had faith to do all of those things, but had not been able to release Isaac when God asked for it, that whole project would have been a failure. And you want to know the truth? there will have been no need to write it in your Bible. Which brings me to a strong suspicion or conviction, actually, that there were other Abrahams whose stories were never written. They did not endure to the end. And let me call Christians again. I know you have served God for 20 years. From the days we were in university till now. You want to hear the truth? You have not yet finished. God doesn't owe you anything yet. Don't ask for your reward. Never, not on this earth. Some of us have this unconscious thing that after everything I've done for God, you'll be doing anything for me now. You have not done anything yet. Though. Your reward, the only time your mind can switch to reward time is when you have closed your eyes in death on this earth and you have gone to sleep in the Lord or the Lord has come back. 
physically. Because many people should change the plan of God. They cut it short. Why? Because indeed they served God for 30 years. What is he doing for me? After a while, they get tired. They slow down. They slow down into a routine. I go to church, I come back. I pray. I just want to have, listen, Christianity, oh my God, is not a normal life. We're not competing with Aleko Dangote. I hope you're getting my point. We're not competing who's governor, who's going to be president. The kingdom of Christ is literally not of this world. Do you get my point? To Jesus Christ, you're a billionaire. You can be poorer than the guy who teaches primary school next door. Who rides a a motorbike around? God will say, I'm more interested in this fellow's life than yours. He knows what he's doing. His standards are different. Let's not just use these worldly standards to describe ourselves. What he calls success is not what the world calls success. What the world calls success, he doesn't consider a success. Let's bear this in mind. What I'm saying so is that because many times, when people don't understand it, please, I need to go over this again. Throw away this idea of success, the world standard. You know why? Because many Christians, that's why they lose faith. But after following the law for 20-something years, their means have built houses they haven't. So faith is not working. What's worth it? This is not worth it. Worth what? A man asked me once, he saw me carrying a Bible. When I was a house officer, I was my chief. I was a medical officer. He saw me carrying a Bible. He said, you're a Christian. I said, yes, I am. And I said it with pride. You know, that kind of, yeah, we're in the zone. He said, oh, I used to be like you when I was in school, too. He said, well, I discovered it was not worth it. You know, I moved back. I said, Chief, excuse me, what was not worth what? If you can say that, your English is good. <laughs> no, I asked him, I said, what was not worth what? I was shocked. What? Number one, you're even young. I was very young that time. So he, being older than me, could not have been more than 30. Yeah. I'm very, very certain. That guy was older than me. Okay, let me push his age, 32. He's even too young to say it was not worth anything. People that can tell me that should be like 96. Then you say, I've been young and I'm old. Now I can say that seven the Lord is not worth it. You can't still be young and be telling me it was not worth it. It was not worth what? You know why people say things like that? It's simple. When he was on campus, boys were playing, running up and down. He did not. At the end of the day, he's still where everybody else is. It was not worth it. That's, why, that's how we reason. That's why I beg preachers, don't let God reject your ministry to be setting worldly standards of reward for people. Don't let the Lord reject your ministry because out of order. There's not, look, listen, this, when I was in Benin, or I went for a convention, I was, Pastor Corey asked me to speak the first night, so I did. I started by singing this song. Everybody stood up and they sang with me. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. You take the whole world and give me Jesus. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I brought this song, but I said, brethren, this is a very spiritual song. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. I said, it's a spiritual song. I said, for that reason, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Keywords, no turning back. No turning back. And these people should understand it. 
Whether he pays or he doesn't pay, there's no turning back. I heard something recently interesting. I didn't know it before. He said, you know one reason the British conquered many nations? They had a habit. When they land on the shore, they burn the boat. You know what that means? You have to conquer this land. That when they land, have they disembark, oh yeah, set that boat on fire. If we ever have to live here again, we will succeed here and build another boat. It's what I call the Fatih Adaya principle. No, Fatih Adaya. Oh, yes. We fight here, we die here. There's nothing like it was not worth it to. You can't assess it because the reward is eternal. It's in eternity. We follow Jesus till the end. We don't measure our success materially. You can be a pastor. It doesn't mean that one day you will have a big ministry like Winners uh, Chapel Churches or, or RCCG. It doesn't mean that. You can't measure your success by those material yardsticks. You can't. Please, I hope you are getting my point. We follow him till the end. What I'm saying this is that Abraham could have succeeded in everything, but if he refused to lay down Isaac, he would have been failure. The rest of all have been watching. Say, man, God. It's good to follow God. Oh. A guy had land. That fellow had sheep. Who? He was into the sheep exporting business. He had goods of all sorts. God will look and say, that was a failed project. Because I gave him Isaac. The time to offer Isaac, he refused. So we went back to square one. And started looking for another Abraham. And walked with that Abraham again. For 25 years before he had Isaac, and trained the Isaac for 35 years, praying that when the time comes, he will agree. Many people have gotten just, you know, that time, the real reason why God gave them life, they can't follow it. Why? Because those things, I mean, it's like everything I've labored for, let, let it go. Why am I going over the story of Isaac, Abraham again? Why did God take him through, leave your father's house? I'll tell you. It's simple, because I'm watching my time. Because he needed to make room for faith. You know, I've already established that faith is a gift of God. To be able to offer up Isaac, God needed to help him. That's something I keep telling my children. They, you can't determine to succeed in life. You have to kneel down and pray to God to, for success. Your hard work cannot produce anything. You have to learn how to pray. You have to do what you need to do to make sure that God is on your side and is helping you, that grace is flowing. To be able to offer Isaac, Abraham needed to walk with God until God could release into him the spirit of faith. Now, this is how spiritual things are. For God to be able to do that, God needed to evacuate every other thing inside. So he began with his father's house. Anything Abraham has remaining is blocking space for faith. Took his father's house. But everything didn't go. Lot was there. So problems followed him. Contention. Bitterness can bring, you know, it's called the root of bitterness, springing up to trouble many, and you'll be defiled. His faith will have been defiled. So after a while, he understood the principle. What was the principle? Lot had to go. So God removed Lot. Why? As soon as God removed Lot, listen to me, there was space for more faith. Because immediately God said to him, now, look up. Until Lot was gone, that spirit, that faith could not come into Abraham. No. Why? You know, I took a lot of time to establish something. Don't think your faith is that <clears throat> I have agreed. <clears throat> we will do it. <clears throat> I am determined. That's motivational speaking. You are motivated. Most motivated people fail. The Egyptians were motivated. They drowned. 
when they were pushing the Israelites. Even they were not motivated. You know what? Where motivation landed them? In the sea. What? They, let me ask you what motivation is. You don't get it. See the water on the left and on the right. You don't know how it got there, yet you enter the middle. So the point I make is that determination does not compel success. Many determined people fail. Have you not seen football? When people go to contest, when they go to World Cup, how many determined clubs come, uh, nations come? Are, are they only 32? They know 64. What's the current number that comes to play World Cup? 32. Hey, Joma, you know football? Are you sure? Okay, she says she knows football. It's not really when I'm talking football matter. When woman put matter, they look like who call you? <laughs> Some people say that is sexist. That is truth. Nothing sexist about it. Because 99 out of 100 people that sit down and watch football, they are men. And 99 out of 100 people that watch um, zero. Our <laughs> oh, sisters, the Lord is good. <laughs> so 32. Dedicated, no, for you to get there, you know, you have to do the qualifying rounds. Determined people, you know what? 30, so 31 will fail. So don't let any motivational speaker come and confuse you. I hope you're getting my point. Alright? Faith was needed for the faith to enter. God said, I have to remove every other thing that is obstructing faith. It's not about determination. It's a literal transaction. Did you hear what I said? It's not about determination. It's a literal transaction. So God said, what is obstructing the faith of Abraham? His father's house. Take him out. What was obstructing the faith of Joseph? The same thing. The father's house. Take him out. Take him out of there. Abraham took part of the father's house with him. God said, all right, no problem. Remove Lot from his life. As soon as Lot left his life, God now was not able to communicate the next level. He said, now look up. Look to the left. Look to the right. Look everywhere. Anything your eye can see. Whatever your eyes can perceive, I'm going to give to you. That was after Lot left. You remember what was the aim of the whole thing? Faith to release Isaac. Remember that? He was okay, what do we do next? Ah, he got Ishmael. Things are bad. We have to kick out Ishmael. We have to kick out Ishmael. So God said, all right, fine. Next. Move out Ishmael. How? Talk to the, the woman. That woman, that boy has to go. Abraham said no. God came and said, he has to go. Otherwise, now I'm adding my own words, you will not offer up Isaac. Because by that time, Isaac had been born. Remember that. Okay? So he let Ishmael go, which was rehearsal of faith. Once Ishmael left, you have to understand something. These are spiritual transactions. God poured more faith into him. And Isaac began to grow and continued to grow until God looked at the faith of Abraham and said his faith is ready. See, let me explain something to you. Sometimes you have more faith ready than you realize. Abraham did not even know. That man we read about in the book of Acts that Paul saw at Lystra that he had faith to be healed. I don't think he was aware. You know, the Bible talked about the gift of the Spirit, descending of spirits. That was what Paul operated. He looked in that direction. He said he had faith to be healed because each action has his own faith. Funny enough, he may not even have... I pray you get it. It may not have been his primary desire. 
But there was a spirit God put upon that fellow. And Paul saw it. And said he had faith to be made. In fact, the funny thing is that literal Greeks say he had faith to be saved. We only know it was healing because of what happened after. I hope you're getting my point. God looked at Abraham and said, this man's faith is ready. He called Abraham. Abraham was not, now listen, that's why I tied all of this because I see Christians have gotten hung up of, ah, we have made up our mind. Many of the things we are making up our mind concerning God does not want to do. At the end of the day, they say, and I know I believe. No, you desired. Because if the real faith was there, even though God doesn't want to do it, so to speak, it will have happened. God will have had to destroy it after. So forget it. You did not have the faith. You thought you did. Why didn't you have it? God didn't give it. When you go working hard towards receiving, towards obtaining faith, it's not from yourself. It's something you're opening your heart for God to pour something. Sometimes he refuses to do that. I don't have time to go through scripture and I'll assume that God can withdraw faith from people. And there is a spirit of faith he pours into people. But he said for me to pour that spirit of faith into Abraham. Abraham had to let go of his father's house. Had to let go of Lot. Had to let go of Ishmael. Derek Prince said in that message, progressive commitment. If you can lay your hands on it, please listen to it. In progressive commitment, he said the closer and longer you walk with God, the fewer your options. I found out that the more the options you have, the less capacity you have for faith. (laughs) See, let me tell you something here. You know what James said? Beloved, count it all joy when you fall into what? Diverse trials. Please, can I beg you? Never because of difficulty run. Because you will be sacrificing eternal gain for temporal gain. The trial of your faith does what? It works patience. Yes. So you know this country is, is, is rough. Because you don't you understand? That is why you will pray more. That's why your faith will be built up. What I really want to do with your life, you need faith to accomplish it. You don't need comfort. You need faith. You don't need comfort. You need faith. Talking to my children the other day, I said, listen, you have to understand, people come to life through different pathways. You know why? Because what God wants to accomplish in his life is different. And how you build the necessary faith is different. The kind of testimony you want to hear from each person is different. Yes, now, these days, I don't let anybody, anything worry me. I have worries. I go and pray. God, please. You know, we were talking about here on Tuesday. That what God gives is what? The peace of God. The peace of God. That's what you need. Men that people are running up and down because of God said, Jesus, you are running away from the opportunity to build the faith. If Abraham did not leave his father's house, he would never have achieved destiny. Why? How would I get the faith to him? To illustrate it, another man came to Jesus. He said, I need faith for salvation. Now, I'm using my own words now. So what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus said, okay, let's go through what you understand. You know the law, don't you? Yes. That shall not kill. That shall not commit adultery. That shall not steal. Bear false witness. He listed those things for him. Honor your father and your mother. He said, all these I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? She said, good. As long as you have these goods, faith can't come into your life. Because to obtain eternal life, what do you need? Faith. So he said, go and sell all you have. And then come and follow me. That's when you will find eternal life. I reasoned about it. What was Jesus telling him? The faith for eternal life in your life, the space is obstructed by your goods. 
No, that was his own. He said, that's why there are people that God has looked at one week to defend their project defense. He said, come out. PhD. They have finished the project. I'm not talking about... Uh, no, they have, finished, they have submitted. They are supposed to defend. Because they don't go there. If you go, you will never have that faith to obey me the rest of your life. You will never. Other people, they finish their PhD, they come out, it doesn't have any problem. He said, no, for that fellow, that PhD is not obstructing anything. His own obstruction is the woman he wants to marry. Say, if he marries that girl, eh, his faith will be on that same level forever. I will let them marry for the next 20 years. At the end of 20 years, she will die. Then I will start again. So if you don't want to go through that, he said, hey, my family will be disappointed. Better let them be disappointed. Though. Go and tell Angelina. Say, oh. <laughs> they have to follow the purpose of God for my life. I know your father and my father, they agreed. And we have, they were, were betrothed years ago. And listen, God will always give you a revelation. You don't do such rash decisions, you know, just because you don't feel like. The revelation will support it. Now say, let Angelina go. And let me tell you the truth. Obeying God is always painful like that. So it's not as if, you know, I just had peace. <laughs> you know? This peace that Christians used to judge that is God or is not God. You know, like that when you want to make a decision. So I just had peace in my heart. You don't love Angelina. When you do, you will not have peace in your heart. You will have tumult in your heart. And that tumult will be a sign of your faith. Let's not just make some law. said, okay, what does God want me to do? What do you have peace with? I can only have peace with what I want. Don't make that mistake. I know sometimes you will know this is the right thing. It's not about patience. Sometimes doing the right thing is what will disturb your soul. It will take sleep away from you. But I don't know, sometimes you just know it is the right thing. Which is the reason why it's a trouble anyway. Because if it was not, why are we we contending with it? It's because it's the right thing. But the soul does not want it. What am I saying to Christians today? Make room for faith. What did I say? You have to make room for faith. Because I see a lot of times people are looking for things to replace faith in their hearts. They are looking for things to replace faith in their lives. Let me tell you, this life, so I'm going to looking at life is easy. Sometimes you're rough, just rough this thing through. Let me say to you again, <laughs> you know, many of us, the kind of prayer some of us have learned hmm, in this country, you need to be in this kind of country, in this kind of time, to know those scriptures exist. There are scriptures you've been reading all your life. It doesn't make any meaning. Like somebody was quoted to have said that the soul cannot imbibe truth in its real power until it needs it. You can be quoting the Lord is my shepherd that shall not want. You have never wanted. There are those who will look at it say the Lord is my shepherd. Ah, ah, I can't want care. That's, that's, that expression. Eh? Food will rain from heaven and it's faith. They will look at food. Come. The spirit of faith will come into them. You think Joshua studied astronomy to know when sun will stand still? <laughs> he didn't study astronomy. 
The battle was about to go bad in his hands. He did not know when he said, look, God, what I need now is more time. I need more daylight. And the spirit of faith entered him. Because he asked the Lord for more time. And the spirit said, speak to the son. And he looked and said, son, stand still. It was not something he learned in school. It was the crisis of the moment that allowed his heart open to receive that spirit of faith. Many people are going around and say, okay, let's practice it. This song, oh, turn on the other direction. It doesn't work like that. There are testimonies you can't have in this life to build your faith later, except that you lived in a neighborhood where you woke up on a tour, tour. That's what you were hearing. That's what you realize. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. You know, there's this one in which you're at home with your children. You're locked up. This one, you are not at home. You are coming back. Your children are alone in the house. You go to the edge of your street, you hear that some people are shooting. You know the way parents are? Especially mothers. Fathers will try and calculate. Okay, okay, no, they will be fine. The mama not go. Yes, who will be fine? They are not fine. We have to go home. The father will like, calm down now. We are going, honey. Please let us go. This, ah! Then you say, okay, okay. No weapon that is fashioned against me shall prosper. I'm surrounded by the protection hand of the Lord. You'll be speaking as a mountain surrounded, and you are driving. You are here, Twam! you are driving. <laughs> you know, you'll be quoting scripture until you enter your compound. So when you enter the house, you say, yeah, we don't enter the house. <laughs> I told the one I had to travel, and I will say that, ah, this road is dangerous, so will you go with mobile policemen? I said, which road? I had to go home. My whole family minus one person was in the car. My wife, all the children minus one. But then they're telling you, maybe you should be escorted with mobile policemen. You know, it's not a joke. Why did I reject? It's common sense. Two mobile policemen. Okay, fight the bandits. You know what they call stray bullet? What are the things I considered? I said, yeah? No, now. I said, no, thank you for the offer. Like Nehemiah, but no, thank you. Told my wife, oh yeah, we need to invoke heaven. Jesus said, I can call the father. He will send 12 legions of angels. There's a reason why he said that. We need the legions now. Where do we get it from? He said, there is none like the God of Israel. Who rise the heavens to our help. And through the skies in his majesty, the eternal God is our dwelling place. And underneath us are his everlasting arms. He drives out the enemies from before us. He says, let destruction overtake them. Therefore, we dwell in safety. We quote the scripture, let us go. Bros, you only remember those scriptures are like that. When there's danger in front of you. And since what God is looking for in your life is faith, many of us, when we see potential to use faith, we say, no, I don't want it. Give me a life where I will not pray. Apostle came they told us a story yesterday about one firebrand preacher, young lady on campus. Have you? Then she ran away to, is it Denmark, you said? Or Sweden? One of those Scandinavian countries, yeah? And she reached there. Marry Oyubo. Is there an Oyubo she married on? Okay. Then when they say, sis, how far now? Say she can't. This is what I used to pray and talk. Like, no groan. Get that holy She can't remember. Holy Spirit, what 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 is tongue? Menini tongue. She didn't understand that. Why? The need to kabash. We used to call it kabash when we were in school. What do you guys used to call it? You see kabash still now? Ah, so this kabash is endured. The need to kabash was gone. What you don't understand? Once you are not kabashing anymore. The faith is also dropping. That is why, please, you know what James said? Count it what? 
Let's rise to our feet. Let's count it all joy. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. Now begin to give the Lord thanks. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to build my faith. Thank you for the challenges I've had. Begin to give the Lord thanks for the troubles you have had in this life. Things that sent you on your knees. Things that made you pray. Are you getting my point? Difficulties that made you pray. This is the time to give the Lord thanks for it. Because faith was built up. You one day will sacrifice that Isaac and you will not have any fear in your heart. Give the Lord thanks this morning. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now pray that prayer. Say, Lord, lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Now you know what I mean now. That is, let me walk according to the path where my father's house will stay behind. I will let Lot go. Ishmael will have to go. The time will come when I need to put Isaac on that altar. Let me not falter. It's a simple prayer. Say, Lord, the time will come when I'll need to put Isaac on that altar. Lord, may I never falter. Ask him, Lord, build faith in my heart. People say you can't pray for faith. You can't pray for faith. People of God, you can't pray for faith. Say, Lord, fill my heart with faith. I ask you today. Fill my heart with faith. I ask you today. Ask the Lord sincerely. Fill my heart with faith. Pray that every obstruction to faith hiding in my heart, Lord, time to remove it. I lay that heart on your altar. Circumcise it. It's called circumcision. It's called circumcision. Say, Lord, circumcise this heart that I'm putting on your altar today. Father, circumcise this heart. I spent a lot of time trying to explain it. It's not that feeling that's faithful. It's a spiritual substance. It can produce the feeling if necessary. But that feeling is not faith. What is faith? A spiritual substance that God pours into your heart. That allows you to relate with him on a regular basis. And when a time comes when a great thing needs to be done, he pours a special dose. It's called the spirit of faith. Say, Lord, I ask you today for the spirit of faith. For the challenges ahead, the spirit of faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed.